Welcome to Growing Your Team, a podcast designed for small business owners seeking to grow their company with the help of employees and contractors. Your time is limited, which means growing and leveraging teams is essential for business success. The Growing Your Team podcast is the place to learn tips and techniques designed to help you know when it's the right time to hire, how to select perfect fit team members, and how to maximize productivity while creating a positive work environment. Drawing from her 10 plus years of leadership and hiring experience, here is your host, Jamie Van Kuyk. Hello, and welcome back to the Growing Your Team podcast. Today, I have on guest Ryan Halo. At the age of 21, Ryan founded the now multi-location, seven-figure company, Salon Halo. The Salon Halo Company is known for their culture, continuing education, and personal development program. Now, with 10 years in business, Salon Halo has received many industry awards and accreditations. It is named one of the top 200 salons in North America. Salon Halo's success is largely attributed to their involvement in the community and giving back. Ryan, however, never intended to work in the beauty industry. Due to circumstances beyond her control, she reluctantly went from an honors student to a high school dropout. At just 16 years old, she then signed up for Paul Mitchell School of Tampa Bay. Ryan chose to turn that potential setback into an opportunity. Through personal development and self-study, the company grew rapidly. Today, Ryan is no longer working as a stylist and focuses on growing her company and other professionals. She specializes in leadership and business development. She is passionate about using her life lessons to help teach and inspire others. And that is just what Ryan is doing in this episode. Ryan is not only sharing more about her journey, she's talking about how she created a series of salons where people are excited to work and see opportunity for growth and development within inside the beauty industry. You'll hear her tips about how you can develop your staff, keep them engaged, and ensure that everyone working for, for you is connected to your culture because your culture is critical to your business success. So let's jump into the conversation. Hi, Ryan. Thank you so much for joining us on the Growing Your Team podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Jamie. I'm excited to be here. Yes, thank you for coming. Can you kick us off by giving us an introduction to who you are and your business? Absolutely. So uh, my path has definitely been an unconventional one. Uh, I am a 10 plus year multi-location upscale salon owner. I started my first salon or my salon company uh, right at my 21st birthday. (laughs) Being so young, a lot of people would have thought that it was obvious to me at a young age that I wanted to be in this industry and it's quite the opposite. (laughs) I started apprenticing doing hair when I was about 15 and that came about because I had been going through 
some really traumatic things in my youth and without, we'll save the whole story for another time, but uh, basically I was kind of on my own at about 16 years old and a lot of instability in my home. I was forced to drop out of school and growing up I was in the gifted program and I was an honor student and had very much believed that my path to success was the academic path. I didn't really see any other way to reach my potential. So when I had to unexpectedly, through no fault of my own, drop out of high school, I felt very hopeless and depressed and kind of like my life was going to be a waste, which is so silly at such a young age. But I was fortunate enough to happen upon a woman who wanted to mentor me and employ me as her personal assistant, basically, in the salon uh, for $25 a day plus tips. So that is a amount of money that a lot of people would laugh at or not take the opportunity. But for me, I jumped on anything, any way to apply myself. And uh, from there, it really just grew. I excelled quickly and I, I loved the science and chemistry aspect of it, but also started to learn that I had a passion for helping people and for making people feel good and the customer service aspect of everything in that industry was not something I had really seen previously. Uh, and then learning that a beauty industry business has unlimited amounts of potential compared to growing up, I saw pretty small mom and pop salons. So once I realized that my potential was infinite in this industry and I loved the feeling of making people feel good about themselves and creating another level of service and another level of knowledge. That's when I just went in full force and signed up for Paul Mitchell to school when I was 16 years old. Uh, even then I didn't expect to go on the path I did. I wanted to be a freelance hair and makeup artist. I work with celebrities and travel. And I was one of the only people that did not raise my hand in school when they would ask who wants to own a salon. <laughs> so I did actually end up moving out of school to Chicago and was a freelance artist and was enjoying the city life and having a great time. And then right before I turned 21, I got a phone call from my grandmother asking me if I would be interested in a business opportunity in my hometown of Spring Hill, Florida to move back and for $10,000 a piece, 10,000 from her, 10,000 from me, buy this salon that was going out of business. <laughs> so my immediate reaction was, heck no, I'm not going back to my hometown. And heck no, I don't want to own a salon. I got, I'm living a life over here. Uh, but the more that I sat back and thought about it, the more I realized that things up until now or up until then had never gone as I planned, but I was the better for it. And to turn away an opportunity to own a business at 21, what if what I was doing in Chicago never amounted to more than it was at the time. So I figured I could always come back to Chicago, but the opportunity to, to own a business at that age, I felt like I needed to take it. 
so 10 years later, here we are. Um, we are, we surpassed a million dollars in revenue before I turned 30. We have multiple locations. We've expanded several times. We are award-winning, you know, throughout North America, top 200 salons in the U.S. Um, we have received many awards for our team building and our education and our, our guest experience. So I'm really proud of the fact that not only was I able to be a good stylist, but I was able to grow a company and a team of people with like-minded goals and like-minded um, just philosophies. And that's really been the key to our success in business. Yes. I can't wait to dig more into your, your achievements that you have achieved with your, with your team. Um, before we get into that, so you mentioned that you bought a salon that was going out of business. So when you bought that salon, was it just by maybe the name location or did it already have a staff that came with it? Great question. It had pretty much nothing. <laughs> it had equipment and, and rent that was due. <laughs> that was what I bought. So the equipment uh, was nice equipment and but there was no real business for me to inherit and there was no team no staff so I had to show up you know every open to close every day at that time I didn't even have a car <laughs> really just moved back on that whim continued to have my Chicago apartment until the lease was up like it really happened so quickly uh, and I didn't know what I didn't know about business. So when you are good at something, you think, oh, it's easy to be in business for yourself doing this. But there's a whole different set of responsibilities and skill sets needed that have nothing to do with doing hair or whatever that that thing might be that you do. Right, exactly. Yeah. So going back a little bit more about your journey, one of the things that I love that you talked about, and you know, most people that are listening to this podcast already own their business, they're already working on growing their team, but for just everyone to remember to the people that you're talking to, like throughout your life, whether it's a friend, a family member, your children, or just someone you're mentoring, or even your teams, like you talked about how, like when you first, first started, or it was like, you know, just doing, like you felt like you were just going to be doing, doing the craft and the, but it was like anything, like any industry, you could have the people that are just doing, doing that work and they can grow into more like to be that business owner and to help people realize that, yes, just because you start off doing this doesn't mean this has to be your entire career. There's potential and there's different levels within this industry. And I know, Ryan, I think one of the things we talked about before when we were personally talking was some of the different levels and everything that you tried to build into your business. So that way people can grow with your company. And it's not like, well, with you, I can only do this. If I ever want to do anything else or grow and advance in my career, I need to go elsewhere. But of course, we'll get, we'll get more into that as, as we talk about so as you were starting your business, you said you're there every day. How did you start growing your team? Like what positions did you bring in and how was that initial team journey for you? So a big philosophy of mine is to create the vision and use that to guide you. So in my life, as I mentioned, my vision definitely had to change and adapt. So I'm not saying that <laughs> it should be unwavering and that it shouldn't evolve, 
but having a bigger picture and a vision core values though so I always talk about what's your why think about why you're doing this what are you actually trying to achieve not only in terms of what inspires you to, to keep going but also what type of lifestyle do you actually want to live so do you because the choice and the path you're taking might not lead to that lifestyle might sound good on paper like I said to own a business sounds like freedom sounds like control but it can be the complete opposite so I I got clear on what my vision was for this company before I even started now I didn't know much at all about goal setting or all of the stuff that's popular today to talk about and know about in business but I did have a gut feeling of holding this image of a higher level of business and a more upscale environment than than existed. So having that purpose and the purpose being to help people and wanting to be of a growth mindset for myself and for my business really helped attract other like-minded people. Right. So, I mean, it started with one of my best friends. She's like a sister to me that we went to hair school together and we had uh, a lot of professional experience together being that I was working with her from about 16 till when I moved to Chicago, which when I was 19. So we were close and we used to drive to the, to the Paul Mitchell school together an hour each way and she moved to Vegas. So when she moved back, a little bit, maybe about six months after I opened the salon, that was my first team member. And she also had the same work ethic, the same standards for herself. So that helped us from there. We doubled, <laughs> instantly doubled by adding a person. And then one by one, just always put it out there, what who we were, what we're about, what we stood for, and what we were trying to, to accomplish and build. And the right people just started to come through. Now I learned that Sometimes I was definitely tempted at times to hire people that weren't, I kind of in my gut knew maybe they weren't a fit for this big ideal that I had and they never worked out. They always found a way to weed themselves out. And I really never had to fire almost anyone. It always, if their energy wasn't meant to be with ours, they always gracefully kind of found their way out. Yeah. So one of the things I know from having like a few other people I know who own salons and everything, they say sometimes that's hard because they feel like when people then leave, sometimes they take the business with them. Do you ever feel that kind of like resentment? Someone didn't work out, they left, but they took business with them that then was, you felt like it was that, that negative impact on the business or was it more just kind of like bless and release? They're gone. It's creating space for that next new team member to come in couple aspects of this answer that I'd like to give. Uh, I mean, I definitely am of an abundance mindset. I don't really worry about competition typically in terms of I am free in the support and education I give to other local salon owners. I am very comfortable in that way because I believe that we're doing our own thing in a way that is unique to us and no one can really affect that. Now that's more in terms of competition than an actual team member that we take on and and to potentially leave our team with that there's a lot more invested in a person 
in our, that comes to our team. Uh, we have an apprenticeship program that lasts about nine months. So from the time that they graduate school or if they're in their first couple of years of their uh, time in the industry, we put them through that apprenticeship program. So that's, and they're being paid to do so. So that's a huge investment of our energy, our money and our time working with them. So at this point we have a, or we've always had <laughs> a non-compete contract because I really want to discourage people from honestly wasting our time or wasting their time. And I want to put the gravity on the situation of, are you sure this is what you want? Do you really see yourself here? And that they are like-minded and that they are coming for the right reasons because we do have a big reputation and it does sometimes people get ideas that they're going to come and go and I've never had to enforce it. I've never had to even, you know, think about using it. I have encouraged several previous team members to work at salons within the, the mile radius because I knew they'd just be a better fit and they weren't a great fit for us. So it's not meant to be spiteful or a uh, stickler about it. It's just a safeguard to discourage people that have the wrong intentions. And, you know, God forbid, we do spend three to five years building someone and they decide that's it. I'm opening a competing salon. Maybe they're going through something and they get upset. But besides, that's one way I look at protecting my, myself and my business because I'm so, I have, you know, invested so, so much into it. So that's a safety net. But from the other perspective that I also work from, I just try to make it the most valuable place they could be anyway. So I'm so well known for just we do education once a week with our whole team, and that could include anything from a technical application of cut, color, style. We bring in top uh, artists from all around the country. Uh, we have a lot of support from our brands, especially being a bigger uh, buying power salon. They, they do so much to help us. So we only partner with people that add value in that way. And then we do uh, personal development training, team building, business building. Um, my, one of my specialties is professional development. Besides owning the salons, I do speaking education and um, launching a consulting business for other <laughs> business owners. So I just try to be so valuable and so of service to my team that I don't have to really worry about that. And because of that fact, we do have way above industry standard retention, team retention. So it's, it's, it's kind of like protect yourself on the back end, but do everything you can to not even need it. And <laughs> that's what's worked for me. Yeah, I love that because so many people complain of like, I can't retain team members. And it's like, well, what work are you actually putting in to retain team members? Simply giving somebody a job doesn't, doesn't mean someone's going to be like, thank you. I'm going to stay here for 10 plus years. No, you actually have to put effort in. And that's what it sounds like you do with like the training opportunities, the coaching, the development, the support you know, making your your team members feel valued when they're working for you goes a long way of making them want to stay. And one of the things I love about when you talked about your, uh, your non-compete is I see too many businesses take this non-compete and they, they use it because they're scared. 
and they're scared that someone's going to go and work at another, another company. But you mentioned what I love, this is what I love. This is the right way to use them is to protect yourself when you need it, but have the flexibility to say, you know what, this isn't the right place for you. You belong over there, go and do it. And you're willing to, to kind of like break the, that distance uh, barrier to say, no, I want what's best for you. Understanding that not everyone is best for you. And why should then they be forced to stay with you because they can't go get a job anywhere else because of that non-compete that you get to protect yourself, but you're also putting other people's best interests first. Absolutely. And that goes back to my concept of having that ideal vision statement. We use that for our ideal client vision statement. We use that for our ideal team member vision statement. Those are our, like our North star, you know, and if you're just hiring whoever and you're not being sure that they truly are in alignment, you are more likely to have turnover. And so one thing we did was we did grow slow and low and it did take a while to get to the point where we had the amount of team members that we truly needed, but that's why they've stayed because, you know, just slow and low and it that brought our longevity. Whereas I've turned down a lot of opportunities to grow the team faster and take on like a shiny, you know, new person that might've seemed like they would be great up front, but I didn't see a longevity there. I didn't see an, a, a true alignment with our core values. So think if you are coming from that, that North star of your vision statement and your, and your core values that you're a lot more likely to retain those individuals. Yeah, that is super important because one of the things I always stress is when it comes to the skills, you know, it could be that cutting hair is cutting hair, like, but not everyone, just because they're a great stylist is going to be right for your company. So finding the person that aligns with your vision, aligns with your mission, aligns with your company culture is important. And not everyone is going to fit that. So it's like making sure that you said, sometimes it's, it's gut feeling. Sometimes it's other things, making sure that the person aligns with your entire company, not just someone who can do the skill because- as I always say, just because someone's great at what they do does not mean they're great for you. Yes. Yep. Whether it's a client or it's an employee. <laughs> yes. So, okay. So you're growing your team. So you mentioned it was you and then you had your friend that joined you. So you kind of doubled your stylist. So as you were continuing to grow, what was the first sign that you needed those additional support people? So maybe someone to help answer the phones or do those other jobs that aren't directly styling it, the hair and working with the clients? Uh, well, <laughs> you definitely need someone doing appointments and answering the phone for the sake of the quality of the business and the experience. So that's pretty obvious to me. And then as myself and my um, team member, Rian, uh, became a certain percentage booked, it's pretty obvious, you know, and with stylists, it's a, it's a lot different than paying someone who is just another hourly producer because it's a commission structure. So we're, we're both uh, making more income, you know, the busier they are. So they're coming on board. It's usually not costing much. It's only bringing in. So 
basically we're always hiring. We're always looking for more stylists because they can add to the collective uh, guest supply as well, you know. But one other thing that I can say, specifically, this might be a little bit in a different direction, but back, kind of thought of it back when we we're talking about the last topic of, of maintaining and keeping the employees is that we also make a big point to show them where they can go within our company and always make sure that there's infinite possibilities for them because then they don't feel trapped where they have the vision and they know where they're going and where they can go. And, and maybe there's multiple avenues they could take. So as a salon, that might seem like limited, but for myself, I look into how to provide opportunities for them to become educators, how to provide opportunities for them to lower, to cut back their schedule and still make more money if that's what the direction they want to go in, or maybe they want to join my consulting team. So there are other creative ways that you can add, you know, unlimited growth and new potential to someone like a stylist or any other technical operator. And in my team, I, I've created a situation where my atmosphere gives them the potential to earn more money than they would do typically on their own or in that area somewhere else by providing an environment that's even more upscale or luxury, or there's more value added with the support team members or um, the marketing we do or the, the quality of the products that we have and the business strategy that I teach them. And so yeah, all adding that value in the long term. Because people want to see where they're going and what's possible for them. And that keeps them inspired to, to want to stay on your path. Right, exactly. Um, you know, I have a friend that opened up her own salon about Oh, a little bit, a little bit over a year and a half ago, like right before, right before COVID shut down. And one of the reasons why she ended up going open up her own salon is she said, like, she just, with the salon she was in, like, she just couldn't see what was continuing down the path of being there. Like felt like that she had reached the ceiling and that, you know, it was like, what else can I do? And to her, the only option was to leave and do her own thing. So to be able to grow in those different options and within your own business, so people don't have to leave to reach that next potential, to reach that next level, to see something more is amazing. Like that's what you can do to keep team members. Yes. hundred (laughs) percent. So a question that I have, like you mentioned that commission, I know there's a lot of people when they're going to open like salons or similar type businesses. They, one of the things I always, one of the questions I get is, and I'm always like, I'm not the expert in this area. So, but we could talk through it, but you might want to ask someone in the industry. So maybe you'll be able to provide a better answer. This is, should they do a method where they're, they're renting out a chair or is it where they're actually have bringing them in as, you know, kind of employees. And I think you mentioned commissions or your team members, employees that are then making a base rate plus commission for everyone they see. How does that work? And what are your suggestions? How salons should be ran? So I could definitely teach a whole class on this. Uh, The two main structures you will see are booth rental and W2 employee commission. Now they can blur the lines quite a bit with those two. And there's also a third less common pay structure called team-based pay. Those would be employees. Now, right off the bat, the first thing I would say is if you're wondering which one you want to do, what is the level of 
investment and curation that you want to have in this business and in these people. If someone is 1099 subcontractor, whether you're trying to pay them in a commission structure or you're asking them to pay booth rental, you are not legally allowed to tell them a lot of things. Right? <laughs> um, they're not your employee. They are their own independent person and you have a working relationship. So you can have some types, you can have guidelines in your business and for your booth rental people, and you can have certain standards, but you definitely need to speak to somebody in legal or account and or accounting for that to be more clear. I've seen people try to, a lot of people try to pay their employees as 1099, but then treat them as, as employees. And that's illegal. You're, you're cheating your person, that person out of you contributing to their taxes and their workers' compensation insurance. So I think it's kind of cheating. Um, and I, I just being blunt about it. And so if you're going to be a 1099 and you want to do either um, some agreement of pay structure, you have to let them do have a lot more freedom. And if you want to be a booth rental, you need to basically treat that situation as being a landlord. And I don't mean to offend anybody by saying that. Um, and I, I'm sure there's more gray area to that than I'm aware of because I'm not a booth rental salon. But overall, if, if you're following the law, there, there's a lot of limitations when if someone is a booth rental or a 1099 employee. Now, yes. with commission, or not, I shouldn't say commission, with a W-2 structure, whether you're paying in commission, hourly, or uh, team-based pay, they are your employees. You pay a portion of their taxes. You pay for their workers' compensation insurance and, their, and liability insurance and much more from there. That's when you want to look at what value you're adding and what the give-and-take relationship is. So if you want to structure a certain type of environment and have certain systems followed and products that you're requiring to be used, that's all going to fall under a W-2 employee. Yes. And I, I love everything that you're saying because the difference between employees and contractors is definitely something we've talked about plenty of times on this podcast is something that so many people don't quite understand and tend to get wrong because they think oh, hiring contractors is easier. I'm just going to do that. But then like you said, Ryan, people end up treating them like employees and that can get you major fines and penalties from the IRS if you're caught doing that. And go back, if you want to understand more about the difference between employees and contractors, go back to listen to episode seven and episode eight of this podcast where we go into a lot of detail, one specifically with a lawyer where we talk about the difference between the two. So go back and listen to those two podcasts. But Ryan, like, I absolutely love that you talked about like kind of like if you're going just the, the 1099, like you're pretty much like a landlord. And it's like, that's one of the things I like try to tell people. It's like, yeah, you, you can't treat it like, okay, this is my business. This is my team because they're really not your team. They're different people that function within your physical space, but yeah, you're right. Like there's so many things that you can't control when you have the structure that way. And it's not even, 
determine right or wrong or good or bad. It's just what's a better fit for you. So if you have this dream in your head of, of leading a team and holding them accountable, just know which one you need to choose. And that's W2. And if you want, if you're, maybe you are still behind the chair and you're pretty busy and you don't have the energy or, or focus to, or maybe even excess clientele to have stylists working for you, make them a booth rental and, and make the money off your space. That might be a better fit for you. I mean, I've advised style uh, salon owners that <laughs> in certain situations that were super high producers and had like five team members and none of them were really producing and they were getting too high of a commission percentage. And it was almost coming out of that stylist performance performance to pay these people I'm like you can make them booth rental because you own the space and um then they can you're they're already kind of doing what they want anyway so it's not right or wrong good or bad it's just really looking at what the fit is and back to what i said about having that vision of the life you want to curate for yourself and the life you want to live day to day do you want to be telling 5 10 15 20 people uh what to do or, or holding them accountable or having them look to you? Do you want to be responsible for those people's livelihoods? Or do you have enough on your plate and you want a team around you, but you want to focus on your own professional uh, technical work? So I just look at that. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I love all that. And I'm sure Ryan, during the, through the consulting that you're doing, if anyone has questions that these are probably great things that you will help people through your consulting packages and everything. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yes. <laughs> My Instagram um, is really a good place right now to find me. I am in the process of um, launching the brand. So I don't have my website up, but um, Ryan Halo, Ryan underscore Halo, just message me on Instagram. Yes. So we'll be sure to include that in the show notes, but before we start wrapping up everything today, there is one more thing I want to talk about. So obviously you mentioned that you now own multiple locations, which means you have team members that you are not physically seeing every day, but are still doing work. So tell us, how do you manage a team that's in multiple locations? Great question. Uh, having a clear set standard of expectations, uh, is the base from which we work that keeps a structure now growing slower and lower, like I said, and, and being so fortunate to attract a team of people that has a common belief. And we all share the same vision from there. A true leader creates more leaders. So growing the team members that have come to our uh, company over time and, and putting them into leadership positions. And I really firmly believe that we all have our strengths and our weaknesses. And what's so great about a team is that we can pick up the slack where others need that. So having support. So I know I have team members that are really great at day-to-day -day organization and uh, certain administrative things. So that's their, their, focus. And then there's other team members that are great with overseeing the, the talent and growing the talent and holding them accountable to the professional systems they use. And, and so they get put in a position of leadership there. And then I, you know, so we all have these different areas. So growing leaders within your company is what it takes to, to expand. Um, I have actual managers that are not stylists uh, at both locations and continuing to grow that part of our business. But even just within our stylist team, they all 
almost every team member has something that they take ownership of. And I believe that's the fair way to do it in terms of we're all contributing like a society. And then it's also a way to give them those next steps and give them something that can be their passion or their uh, thing to take pride in. So having systems, a chain of command, growing my leaders, uh, looking at our strengths and our weaknesses and dividing and conquering. Yes. Love that. Especially growing your leaders. Like that is so important. And one of those things that it takes time, it takes effort, but it's worth it in the long run to once again, develop your staff, prepare them for that next, that next stage. So when you, it doesn't always happen, but that way, when you have those higher level positions available, sometimes you have your internal team members that can go into those positions. Like there's so many times where businesses like, well, I would like a team member to add a team member that does this. I know my internal team members would love it, but none of them are qualified. And I always ask like, well, what have you been doing to help them be qualified? Or what are you planning on doing? So the next time you have a position like that, they feel that they're qualified for going in there. And there's so many, they're like, nothing. They just need to do their job. And it's like, okay, let's, let's build people up. Let's grow the leaders inside your organization. So that way they can continue to grow and be happy. Yeah, sure. A great point. And I think it's easy to say, well, I can just hire a manager or maybe they can look at me and think I can afford a higher level manager and they can't in their, let's say it as a salon specifically, but that it doesn't have to be the case. Like we just touched on, you can empower the current team you have. And then when you grow past that, then you can hire a manager and um, that has a different background or it's just, um, you know, <laughs> front of house. So yes. yeah, you can make, you can make, I think it's just about being creative and open-minded and, and not following a status quo and then being cookie cutter. That's a big part of how I operate is looking at things with fresh eyes and trying to just be innovative. <laughs> yes, exactly. And we're all running businesses of our own. Like we get to make the rules. We get to decide how we're going to grow that business, how we're going to structure our team. There's, we don't have to be cookie cutter. Like we are in control. We have the power. So don't feel like, well, this is how it's done in corporate. Cause guess what? You're not corporate or this is how it was done over there. Great. That worked for them, but what's going to work for you, your team and your business. All right, Ryan. Well, we have to start wrapping up. I know you already told everyone your Instagram handle, but can you repeat it one more time? How can people get in touch with you? Yeah, so I am on Facebook, but not often. And that's Ryan Halo. My name has two N's, very important. It's R-Y-A-N-N. And then Halo spelled H-A-L-O. And I am the owner of Salon Halo and soon to be Halo uh, Consulting and Education. <laughs> um, my Instagram is Ryan, R-Y-A-N-N underscore Halo, H-A-L-O, and uh, salon-halo.com if you're curious and you want to, uh, you know, read up a little bit more about our company. Um, but yeah, I'm really passionate about helping people grow in their business and whether it's I mean, my husband and we own a restaurant, multi-location, soon to be multi-location restaurant. And it really applies to, to a lot of different industries and businesses. So 
Yeah. And I'll definitely be sure to share out stuff about your consulting practice as you get that up and running. So my question that I love to ask all my guests is we've all had leaders or managers that stood out to us. Think of a leader or manager that you have had or that you've had the privilege to work alongside, or maybe that you've seen inside your business. And what is one thing that made them stand out to you as a great leader or manager? Well, I mean, given that I've pretty much never really worked for anyone else, um, I don't have any experience on the other end of that. In our company, what we already touched on is that all of my team members, or especially the more senior team members, have grown into amazing leaders in different ways. I mean, I have my man, my first manager out of the three we currently have, Tracy, who was like, she's really like a mother to me. <laughs> um, she came on, you know, doing front desk in the toward the beginning, um, and has just and has been able to grow and be like. So we have color personalities. <laughs> this is kind. Of, this might take a minute off us yeah. off our path, but. Uh, Another thing that we do to maintain strong team and strong communication and bond is we do a lot of personality testing and communication exercises. So things like uh, your love language, uh, there's a book called Color Personality by Carol Rittenberg that we really live by in the salon. And there's uh, your Enneagram and your Myers-Briggs test. And we, we touch on those a lot. And that helps us pick out um, what the leaders are going to be focusing on because of what their strengths are based on these tests. And what we, we encourage within our leadership team is for them to learn the communication styles of the team to help them be more effective. So using resources like your love language, your Myers-Briggs, your Enneagram tests, and applying what you learn about your team, like if I'm a certain color and I know someone else is a, is a very opposite color, it helps me to bridge the communication and leadership gap by saying, well, I'm, you're very emotional. I'm not very emotional. If I speak to you the way that I would normally speak, want to be spoken to, that might make you cry. <laughs> so it gives me uh, a, a much better, it gives all of our leaders a much better um, tool to work with to facilitate communication and I don't want to not mention any of my team members because they're all such great leaders that I, I don't, I feel bad just like singling out one person. Um, the stylists, same thing. Like they take a lot of ownership and leadership in whatever level they're at in the salon to, to mentor the up and coming team under them. And yes. Girl, I, sorry if that didn't quite get to where you yeah were. no that is perfectly fine to touch on two of the things there the personality test I think you use them in such a great way I've seen too many people try to use them early on in the hiring process to weed people out and I'm like no 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 that's not not what they're for like let's not do that but using them to learn how to interact with each other that is what they're there for, to understand people's strengths or how people need to be communicated to and how you can leverage those things in your language, in your interactions, in the assignments that you give people is 100% correct, the correct way to use those. So I love hearing that. And I also love how you're bringing up these things of like the leaders within your team. And it just goes to show you that leadership can be at any level. You don't need to be managing people to be a true leader, that your team members that come in and it's not necessarily their 
their paid responsibility to mentor new team members, to help bring up those new team members, but they see it as when they do these activities, it betters the salon. When the salon does well, they do well. And they see that entire interaction and relationship. 100%, like everything is is mutually beneficial. And if, if one person grows, we all grow. And that's such an important mentality to have. And I think when you don't have that as a foundation, it really is hard to make progress with any of these things we're talking about. Um, so having like-minded, <laughs> like-visioned people on, on the team is where you need to start. And there's a, actually a book, uh, there's a lot of books that I could recommend on leadership. I, <laughs> I'm like an audible junkie, but um, John Maxwell is like one of my favorite leadership speakers and, and authors. And he talks about the levels of leadership and knowing that leadership is not a title, like people are not going to follow you because of a title. And they're definitely, you definitely don't need a title to start to be a leader. So the five levels of leadership, um, the first one is having a title, but that doesn't, you know, affect a lot or a lot of change or influence. You have to earn the trust. You have to, um, you know, do all those things you hear, like lead by example. And then the fifth level, the and his final level is creating more leaders. So yes. you have those stages. Yes. Yeah. All right, Ryan, we are at the end. Thank you so much for joining us on the Growing Your Team podcast and sharing all this great information. Thank you, Jamie. It's my pleasure. And that wraps up this episode of the Growing Your Team podcast. Did you enjoy this episode? If so, and you have not done so yet, please subscribe to the Growing Your Team podcast so you can stay up to date on all the latest episodes and hear all the greatest tips from our guest experts on how you can grow your team so you can scale your business. And if you haven't done so yet, please consider leaving us a review. I would love to hear what you think of the podcast and your review will help other people decide if this is the right podcast for them. So once again, thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Growing Your Team with your host, Jamie Van Kite. Be sure to subscribe and head on over to growingyourteam.com to connect, access the show notes, and discover more ways to hire and leverage your perfect fit team.